Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this Safeguarding Children online podcast brought to you by SWGFL. Welcome to the SWGFL podcast, the free definitive guide helping educators keep young people and yourselves safe online. Hi, I'm Gareth Court, here with the wonderful Jess Macbeth. Hello, Jess. Hello, hello. We are online safety consultants with SWGFL, partner of the UK Safer Internet Centre. We are a charity dedicated to empowering the safe and secure use of technology through innovative services, tools, content and policy, both nationally and globally. So welcome. Today we're going to be talking about something that I think is uh, affecting a lot of us in the current climate. We're going to be talking about online scams. Jess, starter for 10. Have you ever fallen for a scam? Oh, you had to ask me that. Do you know, nearly. Anybody that knows me well knows I'm quite gullible. I probably shouldn't be announcing that, right? But I am. Um, Yes. They just remove that from the dictionary, you do (laughs) realise, No, I've had that one. Yeah, I've had that one a few times. I'm, I'm, I'm up to date with that one. Um, yeah, so a, a long time ago, I did nearly get caught out by one of those uh, telephone, you know, IT scams. There's something wrong with your computer thing. Oh, yeah. So um, what actually happened was I was I was working with a number of different organizations. And, and uh, one of the organizations I was working with, I had a, an email account with them and the, the email account wasn't working. And it was a small organization. So they actually um, they didn't have their own in-house IT. They had another you know, an IT company that they, they worked with. So when I said to them, I've got a problem with my with my computer and the, the access in the email, they said, right, well, we'll get the tech company to give you a call. So the tech company gave me a call. I'm literally sitting there waiting and the phone rang. I mean, it's so context is everything, right? So the phone rang and this guy says, I'm, you know, got a problem with the computer. And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> I was waiting for the call. Um, it was at the point where he said that I needed to launch TeamViewer that I was like, hmm. And of course, because I knew what TeamViewer was, which is a way of somebody else getting in to see what's on your and operate your your computer remotely. And I hadn't been expecting that. And it was then that I suddenly thought, hang on. What company did he say he was from? And then I started asking the questions. So yeah, that's, nearly fell for it. That's the thing, isn't it? Is is being aware and kind of spotting those things that when you get that gut feeling of just something isn't quite right or something's a bit weird here. But but you've got to kind of know a little bit sometimes, haven't you, in order to in order to spot. You have. You have. If you're not particularly technologically literate and you don't know much about this stuff, then you, you might just be more willing to go along with what anyone else, else says because you kind of expect them to be the experts. And it's it's context as well, right? I was waiting yeah. for the call. But so that's my example. Have you got an example? So so I haven't been scammed, although I have caught one kind of mid-flow, which was which was my fault, really, because I didn't have a particularly great password on my Amazon account. And about a year ago, um, someone clearly had got into my Amazon account 
and had refunded some purchases, but they'd been they'd been like quite canny about it. They hadn't refunded ones that I paid for on card because that would have just gone back to my card. They refunded ones that I paid for with a gift voucher, so it just went back into like the gift balance on Amazon. Um, and they didn't do anything with it, so they they'd got the money back into the Amazon account, so it had some credit, but but they hadn't like gone and spent it or, or sent or posted something out somewhere or anything like that. Um, but the only reason I spotted it was wasn't because I was on my Amazon account, but because my email address that was my login for, for my Amazon suddenly started getting huge amounts of spam. I'm talking about like at least a couple of emails every single second. My inbox was going up by thousands, um, which is pretty weird. So I started to look at that. I started to wonder what on earth was going on. Um, and then it dawned on me that that this kind of behavior is, is classic interference. It's, spa- it's like filling up your, your inbox with spam so you don't notice any genuine messages going through. So I started to look really carefully through the messages and I found messages from Amazon saying that my refund had been processed. And so I was, I was thinking, well, actually, I haven't, I haven't processed any refunds. What's going on? So I went into my Amazon account. I could see what was going on. What was a little bit scary is clearly someone did have access to my Amazon account because they'd even spoken to customer services in the live chat. What? Who had then processed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but when I went to customer services again to speak to them in chat, said, can I see your chat logs? What what have I said to you? They couldn't give me any logs. So so there was no evidence of me having spoken to them, even though apparently my account had spoken to them. So so long story short, thank, thankfully, I, I saw what had happened. No money, in essence, had gone out. So no fraud had been committed. I changed my uh, my password. I changed the email address actually that the account was associated with i put in uh two-factor authentication which we'll, we'll come to a little bit later and and gradually these spam emails die down in your inbox because it's just a bot like signing you up for stuff to run interference while the scam is taking place so so thankfully it had a, a happy outcome but it but it could have gone differently and it it kind of shows you have to be really aware of when things seem weird because when things are weird online there, there tends to be a reason behind it, it isn't just random or glitch there, there quite often is something else going on but the way i mean what's the problem we have at the moment right is that everything's a bit weird right so i and 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 this is where people with um you know nasty intentions are able to exploit that that essence that we don't really know what's going on so there's lots of scams around at the moment in fact the, the worst one i well i thought it was bad i saw one the other day and it was a it was a text message um, and the text message says someone who came in contact with you has tested positive or has shown symptoms for COVID-19 and recommends that you self-isolate or get tested more at. And then there's a there's a link, which oh, is goodness. obviously to something that you don't want to be clicking when I thought that's that's just awful, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, and this shows, you know, the current climate we're in, the criminals are always very keen to exploit current events and and any sort of loophole or any vulnerability and and sadly we're in a position at the moment where where people even though they're maybe safely at home are are vulnerable in other ways and so there's no surprise in some ways that we're seeing such a huge rise of scams yeah the the key thing i think it really is to is to be able to identify it and be able to take steps to to look after yourself and others so that these these fraudsters and these criminals don't really get in through the front door so what kind of scams are you aware of that are happening at the moment oh then? god yeah so so before this podcast i started to collate a list uh, to be honest you could kind of go on forever and ever and ever but there seem to be some very interesting ones coming out so i'll, I'll sort of broaden them out to some categories feel free to, to kind of chip in some other ones that you've heard of as well because i'm sure i've missed some so at the moment we've got things like fake adverts for um protective equipment hand sanitizer covid19 testing kits all that kind of stuff so a lot of fake 
email adverts inviting you to buy products that that don't exist or don't work. Uh, we've got the, your classic phishing, uh, so you know, sort of sending emails to accounts asking you to confirm your account details by by clicking on a link to to confirm it or update your password or update your payment details. Netflix, for example, has had a lot of that recently of fake emails being sent out saying, confirm your Netflix Netflix payment details. Uh, you, it's also known as smishing, which is where you get it via text message, a bit like you were describing mm. there. So phishing is on computers, smishing is via text message. Um, we've seen fake lockdown fine texts doing the rounds. So people say, you know, text messages saying you're in breach because you, you broke lockdown rules. So you're going to be fined. Click this link to pay it. Uh, fake financial support messages. So if you've had to cancel a, a holiday or an event or something like that, you know, fake emails coming in about how you claim the money. Uh, fake free school meals support for, for children who, who are on that list, all that kind of stuff. Fake health info links. Actually, this one is, is the worst one I've seen recently. Is emails purporting to be from the World Health Organization saying, click on this link to download a PDF of, of advice and things you can do um, to keep yourself safe. You go, to, you click on the link, you go to the website. It look, it has a, an internet address that bears no resemblance to the World Health Organization, but it looks like the World Health Organization's website because their website is in a box on the screen. So it's a, what we call a frame. So it looks like the genuine website, although it isn't. And then over the top is a box to put in your, your email address and your password. Not that you need to do such a thing anyway, but, but people in a panic might do that to get the advice. That box goes away. You can access the World Health Organization website as normal. But actually what's happened is, is some fraudsters have, have grabbed your email address and probably the password that goes along with it because that's what you've just entered. So that's, that's a few to start with. Uh, any others that you're aware of? Uh, God, sorry, that's really depressing. <laughs> sorry, yeah, no, when you put more on a list like that. Can we yeah. add some more? I'm sure there's we'll a little bit some, some lightheartedness this where we can, but you know, we, obviously we do appreciate these are these are not nice things and they are costing people money. And, and I know, I know, I know. So, yeah, I mean, there'll be loads more. And I suppose that's the thing. It's like we've kind of been surprised by this, right? We've been surprised by this rise in fraud and scams that are all targeted on on us kind of current lockdown situation should we should we have known that this was coming and perhaps even you know the other aspect of that what's going to come next what can we prepare that's, ourselves for that's a good point and as i kind of just mentioned earlier you know criminals are very quick to exploit a situation or a context and are very quick to exploit vulnerabilities both in people and technology so so i guess to a point yeah we probably should have seen this coming because it because it happens a lot whenever something flares up as criminals look for a way to get an angle on it um the problem is is it's very very hard to stop people from doing this they're always going to do it in one way shape or form and as you said i don't really know what's going to come next because they're so adaptable i think they will find new and innovative ways as soon as one avenue gets closed down they'll think of another angle and pursue that okay I don't know what you're no I, I agree and I think you know it, it's complicated because a part of it as well is that we've all jumped on technology to use technology right to to continue to engage and, and deliver services and learn and all that kind of stuff and so there'll be a lot of people now using tech that haven't used it before they're using new sites and services that they, they, they don't know what's normal or you know appropriate ways of doing things so okay let's talk a little bit then about how to spot a scam what's the okay. what's the starting point um i i always <laughs> like when i talk to people about this i always like to start with gut feeling if you get a gut feeling that something's wrong 
with what you're doing or out of the norm, then then do go with that. It's not, obviously it's not foolproof, but but tr I like to trust your gut online. Sometimes if you just feel that something's off, there probably is something off. So that's always a good starting yeah. point. I've also heard this idea of, of if there's a sense of urgency. You know, something needs to be done immediately. There's a problem. Something's got to be fixed or sorted or, uh, you know, disaster averted, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, and I agree. And I think I think it's worth taking that step back, particularly if you get something that's requesting urgency, because because the Internet permits urgency. You can do things in a couple of clicks or a couple of taps on a screen. But actually, when it comes to to anything involving money or personal information, it's it's wise to take your time and just take a, a couple of moments to ponder, to think about it. There's there's no harm in doing that. It's it's not going to go away if it is something genuinely urgent. But but taking that moment is is key, I think. Yeah, and you in your example obviously talked about uh, what's that phrase? Bolting the no, closing the stable door. What? <laughs> What's bolted? After the horses bolted. Yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> yes, that that's pranked mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I mean the the thing that I learned from mine. I think this is a, a really important point. We'll, we'll come back to this in more detail in a minute. Is is good password practice? At the end of the day, the the weakest point in any system tends to be us as human beings, and more commonly our passwords as well. So the better types of passwords you can have, the better way you can put them in place, the better. Quite frankly. Um, but you're right, you still need to kind of be able to spot a scam. So, um, you know, they often say most of these emails that come in that are fake tend to have a poor punctuation and grammar and spelling, uh, which is fantastic if you're a native English speaker with good reading skills. But of course, not everyone is. And, and educators listening, obviously, the children and the young people you work with may not be the best readers in the world. So they may not spot these these kind of obvious mistakes that sometimes other people spot. But that's always a good starting point is look out for the, the poor quality of written English in these messages. That might give you a clue. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, think, I, know I was just going to say, because I think there is also an issue with young people being online so much more. I suspect that we might be seeing a lot more of the um, phishing type. Uh, so the kind of messages, you know, the quizzes, all that kind of stuff. You know, the, you know those, um, I don't know, find out what your, 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 your most liked animal is or something like that, you know, and it asks you lots of, of personal type questions. I suspect that young people might be giving away quite a lot of um, that, that basic security type information through these kind of quizzes, which might be quite viral just now, because because obviously young people are are mu even more so than before, and particularly younger children using technology to to socialise. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And and just because it's coming through Facebook or or Instagram or other social media, you don't always know who has actually started that quiz and put it up, and, and who is actually collecting that data. And you're right. You, you've really got to question any quiz that, that is desperate to know your favourite colour, your favourite animal, who your third cousin twice removed was, the name of your first pet. You know, it's yeah. you've really got to question what, what 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 is this quiz for, other than to potentially collect information. So, I, yeah, advising young people to be wary of those is is absolutely key. Mm -hmm. um, I think that brings us to a, to a good point as well about how how you find how you get to information online as well so most of these phishing scams are relying on sort of emails or messages being sent through to people and they're they're just they're playing the numbers they're just sending them out to everyone to see who bites um because some people are going to buy and click on a link to go through to confirm their netflix password or, or so on and so forth so i think the other key thing here is to never follow a link in any of these kind of emails even if they report you know purport to be from a genuine company like netflix or from your bank or someone like that 
don't click on those links unless you've actively done something to request that email to come through in the first place. So if you've asked for a change of password on, you know, Minecraft, Netflix, and then an email comes through, you were expecting that. So it's it's likely to be the legitimate one. But if it comes completely out of the blue with no warning, then then there's something else going on there. So it's always best to go to the website or the service itself in a trusted way that you know and log in that way to then change a password, confirm details, rather than clicking on any link in an email that's just come through. Yeah, but still, given, you know, these things are only going to get better. I mean, I wonder how long we're going to be still receiving emails with typos in and, you know, that kind of, like, you know, <laughs> it's surely it's going to get more and more sophisticated, you know, so that we will end up clicking on things. So then it comes about having those kind of backup security processes in place, like you mentioned, two-factor authentication. Yeah, so so two-factor authentication, if if you're not familiar with it, is where you have a, a second layer of protection on your login methods. So you, you enter your, your username and password on a service, and if you're logging in for the first time, or if you're logging in for, from a new location or a new device for the first time, then what it would do is then send out a, a verification code, either to your email address or to your mobile phone or to an authenticator app that you may have downloaded and used, um, and then you input that code into into the browser, into the login process, and then that confirms your identity. And that's that's brilliant for two ways, not, not just because it gives you that extra layer of protection for, for you logging in to, to make sure it's you, but also you can spot when someone else has tried to log in and has your password, because if you're getting a verification code sent out of the blue and you haven't tried logging into that, that app or that game or that service, then you know that someone else might have your password. So that gives you the time to get in there and change your password so that that then essentially locks them back out again. So yeah. it's really useful for spotting too. Yeah, good good prevention stuff. What about the other angle here, which is um, not that you're being tricked into doing something necessarily, but you might be being forced into, you know, um, so sextortion would be the kind of classic one. Um, and, and we know that the scam emails on that came up oh, a year or two ago. Um, so, so the classic thing with sextortion was that you were caught doing something on camera and then and that was recorded and then uh, further demands were made for more content or for money or whatever. And then that kind of um, evolved into just scam emails that are, that are blanket sent out um, saying in the email, we've caught you on camera doing something and when they haven't done it, haven't had to do that at all. Um, but as a way of, of getting just a small number of people uh, to, to click the link. Is is that do we think we've got an increased issue there at the moment with that kind of stuff? Yeah, yes, and in fact, our, our revenge porn helpline did a, a blog post recently on the Southwest Good for Learning website about that very thing. Is that we've suddenly seen this resurgence? Um, I've, I've actually seen a few dropping into the junk email on my my email account the last few days. Oh, have actually, you? Not, not, <laughs> not, not, yeah, yeah, I have They are it. actually. <laughs> <laughs> provided you're not spooked by them, because they are they are you know complete nonsense. But um, provided you're not spooked by them, they actually are quite a good source of entertainment. Not just for the poor spelling and grammar, but the oddly specific uh, details they put in. So I think one of the ones I've right. seen today, they've been monitoring my computer for 141 days, which is an incredibly specific period of time. You know, why 141? Why not 139 or 140? Or you know, so so sometimes just the the details in there are brilliant. In fact, I've got one up. Can I just read you a couple of lines from it? Just just because it's it is for for you to can. like some of the things that are are just hilarious because when you distance yourself and you look at them it just looks bizarre don't worry it's not anything rude so so one that got sent it says uh, buy two thousand us dollars in bitcoin and send it to the address below and it says the address then in brackets it says if you do not understand how look up how to purchase bitcoin do not waste my valuable time. <laughs> 
and then it ends. It, it, it's it's brilliant as well because the email starts it in one way, and then the third line down it actually says hello to you. So, so it's just the the layout of it is brilliant. But then the last the very last line, and and this is threatening. I can totally understand why people get worried about this. Um, but 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 again, it just highlights the 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 nonsense of it when you think about it rationally and you distance yourself. You have 24 hours to do so. Your time begins as quickly as you read this mail. I have got an special program code that will alert me as soon as you see this email. So don't attempt to act smart. Oh, nasty. And it's using that sense of urgency that we talked about, isn't it? Absolutely. But when you look at it, you know, in the cold light of day, it is absolutely ridiculous. But if, if you know, if you're in there, if you're worried or spooked by it anyway, you can understand people panicking, people not sure what to do, people going along with it. And I think that's another key point of all these things is that if someone online is coercing you for money, whether you did anything or not, um, you don't give in to their demands. You don't send them that money, whether it's five dollars, pounds, Bitcoin, yen, whatever, um, because you have no assurance that they won't come back and, and ask for more money in the future. Mm. So, uh, you know, the police have always advised, although sometimes these things can be incredibly sensitive if it does actually involve, you know, uh, sexually explicit content or webcam or things like that there there's never any benefit in giving into the demands because they will just come back and ask for more and you just have that sense of uncertainty forever and and you don't want that so far better to report it to the police if, if this kind of thing does happen and you are worried about it okay so and obviously we've got our helpline the revenge porn helpline for that specific issue absolutely so yeah if you've if you've got any concerns about that in any way or if you are concerned that that someone else online that has um indecent or explicit content of you and is, is posting it online for whatever reason then you can contact the helpline at help at revengepornhelpline.org.uk and they'll get back to you as soon as they can and then in terms of the the wider scams and frauds um so in scotland i believe you go to police scotland for that but in the rest of the uk action fraud so yeah, so in Scotland, it's scotland.police.uk and you can report it there. And for the rest of the UK, it's actionfraud.police.uk and you can report things there. And also, um, just it, it, depending on when you're listening to this, just in April, um, the National Cyber Security Centre has launched a service for you to forward on um, uh, suspicious phishing emails. Uh, so it's their suspicious email reporting service. So if you do ever get sort of a weird phishing email in, in your inbox and you think it's suspicious, then you can forward it to report at phishing. So that's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G dot gov dot UK. And that then helps them create a bit of a, a database of and an understanding of what kind of scams are out there so that they can actually take some action to, to help block those where possible. Great. So, yeah, I think we covered a lot of words. Actually, I've just thought of another one, Jess, that I think is useful for an education context. Maybe maybe not specifically for, for those of you listening, but probably good to pass on to your finance officers or whoever manages the school finances, is that another thing we've seen in the last few years, not related to COVID-19 specifically at the moment, but it's something called mandate fraud. Have you heard of that, Jess? Oh, is that when um, you pretend to invoice or an invoice so, needs to be paid? Is it that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens is you, you receive a genuine, it, well, what looks like a genuine invoice for uh, goods and services that you've, you know, you've, you get, you need to pay for. Um, and what happens is the company has actually sent the invoice, but along the way, it's been intercepted before the email reaches you. Email, sadly, is an incredibly insecure way of se of sending anything. Um, and what the the criminals do is they go into, say, the PDF that's got your invoice, your bill, and they change the payment details. And that's incredibly easy. Oh. So, 
PDF editor, you, you can do that within seconds. And then they they allow they sort of reinsert it back into the chain and the email forwards on. So although it looks like it's coming from the legitimate person, and it is, the document that they're actually sending you has been modified to change the bank account details from the, the person you're meant to be paying to the criminal. And so you went stick in the payment and actually instead of going to the, the person you wanted to go to, it goes to the criminal instead and they've got the money. And it becomes very, very hard then to to kind of to, to unpick and unravel, particularly so, if they then move that money out of the account and close the account. So presumably what you've got to do is, is have all your checks and balances in place and, you know, you should have their bank details in your system rather than using you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and just, you know, good procedure. If you're, if you're managing finances on behalf of an organisation or a school or whatever, it's, yeah, due diligence. And if you're not sure about it or if it's for a particularly large sum, then you can pick up the phone and speak to someone. That tends to be the best way. You, you know, you've probably got a named contact that you've got to pay this invoice to. Pick up the phone and, and just ask them to confirm the payment details. The, the other type of fraud I've heard with that is is when um, somebody's email account gets hacked. So what they do is they, they, they hack into a senior member of staff's email account and then they send an email from that as if, you know, from that person to a more junior member of staff saying you've got to make, you know, you need to make this payment today by the end of today, yeah. that kind of thing. And it, it has actually come from the boss's email account. Yeah, that's again, that's another really good one. It's It's quite easy to spoof emails as i said emails are incredibly insecure in a number of ways um and you can spoof emails to appear that they come from a trusted email contact so yeah of course if it's your boss or your your line manager or someone telling you you need to do something then you're you're probably going to act on that quite quickly so again if if something seems out of place or if the con the wording of the email seems weird or the timing seems weird again i i say try and trust your gut you've got other ways of contacting that person to double check so give them a ring send them a text you know send them a, an email back to the email address you have in your in your contacts list just asking to double check something if you're not sure mm, that's great advice i i, I realize we haven't really talked about passwords because i mentioned that start passwords are really important have you got any good tips for for good passwords password manager get a password manager super duper you know um app that you can get on your mobile device or on your computer or both and it has all of your usernames and passwords in it it can generate them for you so you don't need to make them up and you have one super duper amazing master password to get into it and only you and your mum know what that password is um that that's the way to do it and then you don't you can have a different password for every single service so if one gets hacked you don't have a problem with everything else getting hacked as well yeah that'll be my tip Excellent. I, I haven't told my mum my password, though. Um, but... <laughs> well, it depends on your relationship right. with your mum, right? So. <laughs> it's, I, 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 it's great advice, though, because I, I use that as well to manage the kids' accounts, because, you know, my kids have got yes. Roblox accounts and, and, mm, uh, and, and Xbox accounts and all the rest of it. So it's a great way of helping them when they forget their passwords as well, just having it all all locked in there and secure. Um, the, the mega password, um, I like that one, though, because you need, like, a good, strong password to kind of keep all that in place and safe. So um, I, I don't know what your tips are, Jess, but I always recommend a good passphrase rather than a password. So using a password that's made up of three or four uh, random, completely unrelated words, but are memorable to you. So, so a good way of doing it sometimes is to say, like, think of an animal, think of a color, think of a fruit, think of a, a, a city in the world. 
and then make those four words your passwords and about, and then you actually have the ability to kind of create like a little mental picture in your head of, of what that thing might be so so sometimes having a picture with all those key elements in it is a way of remembering that the completely random password and that's actually more secure than doing a password with upper and lower case and numbers and special characters because while those are very secure they're, they're really hard to remember especially if you've got lots of different ones on different sites whereas a passphrase with random words can be a very easy thing to remember but very hard to guess yeah and set up your two-factor authentication on everything that you possibly can definitely and i think you mentioned security as well just the uh, earlier other thing is update things so when your operating system on your smartphone your tablet or computer needs updating let it do the update uh, when your apps need updating let them do the update make sure you have antivirus on your system and updated and run a scan like weekly fortnightly do things to, to kind of put those things in place so that if the worst thing does happen and someone manages to get something malicious onto your your device there, there's a chance that, that your programs might actually spot it or something else might kick in and defend against it yep definitely cool we've covered a lot today we have um have we missed anything probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. There's so many i think i think a key thing really is about being curious isn't it and, and ask questions as well don't just blindly trust things even though we're we're in a situation at the moment where we're relying on other people to give us information and advice on a number of things regarding our lives i think there's there's never any harm in questioning things and, and being curious and if your gut is saying something's up something's probably up Okay, so I think we've come to the end. Before we finish up, if you have a question or issue you'd like us to discuss in the podcast, please get in touch by emailing podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Gareth, do you have a recommendation of one thing to read, watch or listen to? I do. I, this has been uh, mine and my children's lifeline while we've been in lockdown for the last month. I appreciate not everyone is able to, to, to play or do this, but if you are lucky enough to have a Nintendo Switch and eventually lay your hands on a copy of Animal Crossing, it is uh, a wonderful way of experiencing a carefree world free of viruses and disease where you can, you can fish, you can chat to little animal villagers, <laughs> you, can, uh, bugs, you can shoot balloons out the sky. It's just a wonderful, carefree existence. Uh, and I've seen news reports of people uh, meeting on Tinder and then having Tinder dates on Animal Crossing, people holding virtual weddings, virtual meetings. It's it's a lovely sort of online space to have fun. So if you are lucky enough to be able to, to pick up that game, I highly recommend it. It is a lot of fun and it's a nice way of having some social contact with people as well. How about you, Jess? Uh, oh, gosh. Well, um, I have been listening. You know me, I like my podcasts, right? So um, the one I've been enjoying is called Love in the Time of Corona, um, which sounds like a romantic thing, but it's actually a husband and wife team kind of coping with lockdown um, and just they have a kind of daily update on that. So that's been quite good fun. On a more yes. serious side, um, our partners, the Internet Watch Foundation, they have launched a, a, a podcast series. Uh, it's called Pixels from a Crime Scene. So you can go to the website www.iwf.org.uk forward slash pixels from a crime scene with a hash, um, a dash between each of the words there. Um, or you can find it like on Spotify, just search for, for pixels from a crime scene and other um, podcast players as well. Um, and it's just all about, um, obviously, the, their area of work, which is the removal of child sexual abuse imagery from the web. Um but it's, it's an excellently produced um, kind of mini series with interviews with kind of key players. Um, and the focus is really about myth busting. 
so it tackles issue I, the ideas of things like you know there's no such thing as as, as child pornography um the idea that maybe it's all on the dark web and that kind of stuff so um now it is you know this is a grown-up uh podcast this is not for for children's ears there is some you know upsetting content in there um but it's it's something that we probably all should be listening to Amazing. Yeah. And uh, the Internet Watch Foundation are, are one of our partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre and do absolutely amazing work in, in sort of tackling this and removing um, illegal and indecent child sexual abuse content online. And, and given the current climate, we're, we're hearing, you know, concerns from police and authorities that, that this kind of content could be on the rise because everyone's on lockdown. Children are using more devices and being vulnerable. So it's so very timely as well. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you found it helpful, then please do spread the word to your fellow educators. This podcast is available for free on most casting apps. Remember, as always, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact our professionals online safety helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk or by calling 0344 381 and remember if you do have a question or topic that you'd like us to cover on a future podcast don't forget to drop us an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk don't forget a better internet starts with you stay safe and we hope you join us next time goodbye this safeguarding children online podcast has been produced by swgfl southwest grid for learning is a charity that has specialized in online safety for nearly 20 years and is one of the three partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre. The UK Safer Internet Centre is the national centre and one of 32 European Safer Internet Centres. For more information and terms of use, please visit www.swgfl.org.uk. Thanks for listening.